James 3 verses 1 and 2. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. We have school teachers here in the congregation, in members of our families. And teaching truly is such an excellent and admirable calling and pursuit. It is so needed and so helpful. But according to these words here in James chapter 3, teaching is not without its difficult side. And it should be that not many would attempt to do it. What are those difficulties and why must we be so careful as we engage ourselves in the efforts of teaching? Well, first, to state the obvious, teaching by its very nature must involve at least one other person and often several people. And that's certainly one of the first reasons for this warning. It's one thing for us to learn and to know about certain matters ourselves. But it's an altogether more serious matter when we endeavor to teach those things that we know or think we know to others. As teachers, we become responsible for the things that flow out from all of our teaching. The information and the ideas and the philosophies that come forth from our mouths, they have power and they have influence. And they cause people to respond to the things that they've learned from us. As I've mentioned often from this pulpit, all the matters of life, all of the matters of life, whether seeming to be secular in nature or not, are ever and always spiritual. They are ever and always spiritual. Everything has spiritual meaning and influence and consequences. And that's true whether our teaching be in what we would count as a secular setting, such as in business meetings, in seminars, or in the classrooms of public schools and colleges, or like ours here today, in church settings. All of our words have influence, and they have power, and they have spiritual impact and consequences. And yes, to some degree, this warning is probably implying the need for proper training and credentials. But from the warnings that are given in the verses that follow these, this warning has much more to do with all those many twists and turns that can take place during the actual teaching process. But before we go on further and begin to dig deeper into this stern warning. We need to first recognize that there's also another clearly unspoken side of this instruction. If not many people should be teachers, then the clear implication is that some people, some people really should and really must become teachers. So you and I should not be frightened away from this excellent calling and gift of teaching. I can recall when in the mid-1980s I was sensing this strong drawing in my spirit towards teaching and preaching God's Word. 
And immediately these very words of this verse came to my mind. And I began to experience an ongoing sense of fear about this thing that God was clearly moving me towards. And while all venues of teaching, public education, business, whatever, they carry with them measures of great responsibility, it's another thing altogether to stand before a group of people and declare to them, thus saith the Lord. Because that is exactly what a person does every time they teach a Sunday school class and every time they preach from a pulpit. We are standing here declaring, thus saith the Lord. And He had better have said what comes out of my mouth, out of a teacher's mouth, or we'll be judged with great strictness. That's what this warning is about. Again, as I stand here before you each Sunday and I declare to you that everything that I'm saying comes from God Himself, I want you to know that I recognize that it is no less of a fearful place of responsibility than that of the prophets of old. Now, I'm not equating myself to them, but it is the same responsibility. They would say, thus saith the Lord. And so even now, after all these years of standing here, the thought of this truth nearly takes my breath away. And then when I consider that I now put these same messages out onto the Internet so that many, many other people are hearing them and reading them, I really get all filled by the responsibility. And yes, I do still fear. And I'm glad that I do. Because my fear keeps me doing the same thing every week. And that is, I plead. I plead continually with the Lord to give me only His words. And to give me only His understandings of these messages that I bring to you. Only His words and His understandings. But the point again, while yes, this is a stern warning being given here about few people becoming teachers, I want us to know that the other side of this instruction really is true. That we cannot let that fear keep us from becoming teachers if God wants us to be a teacher. And then also, may I say again that yes, while first and foremost, this stern warning concerns the giving of the truths from these Scriptures, this caution, this caution is very appropriate for any form of teaching. I want us to know that because school teachers hold so much of the hearts of those kids in their hands as they teach and as they speak with them even before and after class and in other forms of relationships because, again, everything that we do is spiritual. It is spiritual in nature and it has influence and consequences both for good and for harm. So those who teach must take great care. And James adds this warning here at the end of this verse that I gave a moment ago. He says that we are going to be personally accountable. Those who teach will be personally accountable. He says, For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. A stern warning. And so every teacher in every venue of life 
Let's take these warnings into their own hearts and know that God is speaking directly to them personally. And we must understand and accept that we will surely answer back to God for every word that comes out of our mouths. Now another thing that I want us to consider here about teaching is that the actual ability to teach can come to us in more than one way. For some people, perhaps most people who teach, the ability to teach and to express themselves clearly before a group of people, that ability comes as an innate, skillful art born into them at birth, born into their personality. And so then they become teachers. But then also, there's another source that we're told about here in these Scriptures. Another level of teaching. An unction that comes beyond a person's own innate abilities. It comes as a special gift from the Holy Spirit. A gift that enables a person to know things and to say things in ways and with power and with influence that they would not have otherwise been able to do. Equipping a person then to serve God through teaching and preaching these divine truths of Scripture. Now, do those two sources of teaching come together? They can. You may have been born with this teaching ability within your personality. And then the Holy Spirit may come along and give you the gift of teaching to add to that. But let me say to you, you don't have to be born with that ability to teach for the Holy Spirit to make you the best teacher that people will ever hear. The gift of teaching far exceeds our innate, inborn abilities. Now, may we pause and recognize that there also are many very earnest men and women in our churches today who attempt to teach these truths but have no ability at all. Neither from natural abilities or from the gift from the Holy Spirit. They just have no ability to teach. But yet they are teaching. Why? Most of the time, it's out of necessity. Because no one else will do it. That's a danger in all of our churches. People shying away from teaching and getting involved. There's... um, A statistic in churches that 15% of the people in the church do 85% of the work. And so that's what takes place with people becoming teachers when they have no ability whatsoever. And the problem is they may earnestly desire to do well, but they will not be able to and they may do harm. Now the simple fact is the only way that anyone can ever be able to take these truths of God and and teach them to other people in the way that God wants them to is through the intervention of the Holy Spirit. We've learned from the words of 1 Corinthians 2 that spiritual truths are spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit Himself reveals the meaning of words. And if you attempt to teach these Scriptures without first understanding them to some degree yourself from the Holy Spirit, then surely that which you teach is not going to go well. If the Holy Spirit is not defining and discerning these truths within the teacher's heart and mind, then there's a danger that they will lead people astray. 
Now, as for myself, I am so fully aware that I'm not able to grasp the real spiritual meaning of any of these truths well enough through my own abilities. I greatly fear, folks, the possibility that I might at times speak too quickly, answer too quickly, miscellaneously offer you my personal opinion. I desperately want only God's explanation of these words to flow out from my tongue. And because of that, I do desperately want to yield my heart and my mind each time when I'm preparing and then when I'm giving these teachings. So then, again, what are the potential risks that God is bringing to our mind here with these words? Let me read them again, verses 1 and 2. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. That's a stern warning. Every teacher is going to stumble. Mm. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. As I mentioned a moment ago, while this warning should be received and heeded by everyone who would dare become a teacher, we know from the words of this chapter, and especially in verse 1, that James is speaking to fellow believers who will be teaching. He begins this with the words, My brothers. Verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. When he uses that expression, my brothers, he's speaking of fellow believers. Fellow believers. And so the warning is to us, again, who believe and who will be subject to teaching in one way or another. And all of us will to some extent. You will be a teacher to some extent because God has given you this command that you're to go into all the world and to preach and teach this gospel. So there are moments of teaching that you may not want to be involved in, but you're going to be because you're going to obey this command. So in those moments that you are witnessing, that you're telling people about Christ, you are a teacher. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit will help us with all of that. Now, each of us has this obligation to study and to know these Scriptures so that we can be prepared. The Apostle Paul reminded Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he said, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but listen, accurately handling the word of truth. Another translation says, study to show yourself approved. You and I have an obligation to study these Scriptures continually. But then also, beyond our own preparation, God's Holy Spirit is also faithful to bring His words of truth to our mind, especially when we get caught off guard with an opportunity to witness. One of those is in Luke chapter 12. He says, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit, listen, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. When I read those words, I think of Stephen the martyr. He was brought before these people who would 
intend to kill him and would kill him, would stone him to death. And what did Stephen do? He gave this longest sermon. I wonder if he was fully prepared from study or was it this? I I prefer to believe it was this, that the Holy Spirit brought every word because it turns out to be published right here in the book of Acts. So every word there is God breathes. So the Holy Spirit gave him every word to say just before he was stoned. God will do that for you and me. But that does not relieve us of the responsibility of studying ahead of time. Now this warning given here that not many should be teachers seems, as I said a moment ago, to specifically address those who are in capacities of responsibility and leadership within a church and that will, as a regular part of their involvement, teach. And those church leaders, those teachers, those preachers really do need to hear and heed these Scriptures here today. As with a particular circumstance that the Apostle Paul warned Timothy about, there were these well-meaning brothers within the church, fellow believers, Hymenius and Philetus. They had gotten way off course. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy wrote a letter to Timothy to say, you need to help these men because their teaching has gone astray. Let me read that for you. He says, remind them of these things. This is, this is Paul's instruction to Timothy, who was the pastor there. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words. We can wrangle about words. Especially when we want to believe a particular thing and we want to argue it. We want to present it in ways that will help our side of the argument. He says, charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. And then he gives this charge. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. Avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Teaching has a way of having followers. And that's what he's saying here. And their talk will then spread throughout the congregation like gangrene. Now what they were doing was they were teaching, probably among other things, this Hymenus and Philetus were teaching that the resurrection had already taken place. Of course it hadn't. And those people who would join with him in in that belief would be going astray. Then also there is a particular portion in Leviticus 10. And in there it doesn't specifically say that there was teaching taking place, but it is. It's the church leaders. And there in Leviticus 10, these two sons of Aaron, they went way off base and their behavior was called offering strange fire strange fire before the altar of God. And because they did that, they received this due penalty for their behavior. Let me read that for you. Now this is Leviticus 10 verses 1 through 3. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans. Now they were leaders in the church. They took their respective fire pans 
after putting fire in them, they placed incense on it and offered strange fire before the Lord, which He had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people I will be honored. Oh, that's such words to a teacher. Too often, in these days of public pressure to be tolerant and accepting of of many of the corrupt ways of the culture around us, we as teachers and preachers will teach and preach misguided beliefs to Sunday school classes and then also from the pulpit. And by our teaching, by our teachings, we are in danger of offering strange fire before the altar of God. And we must not do that. In our Sunday school classes, I fear that I would offer strange fire before the altar of God. And as I stand here before you each Sunday, I have fear that I might offer strange fire before the altar of God. And I must not do that. I must not do that. I must study these Scriptures carefully and continually. And I must listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, both as I prepare to teach and to preach, and then as I teach and as I preach here in the church. I must, as Paul admonished Timothy, I must accurately handle these words of truth. Accurately handle these words of truth. I must teach and preach the whole counsel of God. Do you know what that means? The whole counsel of God? It means that I can't hold back on teaching certain of these doctrines just because it's uncomfortable to you. In the majority, as I read, our churches today do not speak, our preachers do not speak of hell and other such difficult subjects. They refrain from teaching on the difficult matters so that they don't offend some within their congregation. If a preacher preaches about a man and woman living together out of wedlock, if he's got a church of 500 people, he is preaching to quite a few out there in his congregation that are doing just that. And so he holds back and does not preach that. But we are to preach the whole counsel of God, whether it makes a church member uncomfortable or offends them, whether they want to hear it or not, the truth has to come forth from here. And so it is just as important to say things that we hold back from saying as much as it is to guard the words that do come out of our mouths. I must be faithful to teach these truths to you in exactly the way that God wants me to teach them and preach them. And I have to do it with diligence and fervor because if you for a moment don't perceive that I believe it, then you're not going to believe it. And so I ask the Holy Spirit to give me that fervor so that you can catch that fervor and believe and then follow these Scriptures. Now one last thought about this warning. These words tell us that teachers will be judged with a greater strictness. 
I studied about that, but I confess that I don't have a good grasp on what God intends with those words. Whether He is speaking about judgment during our living years, will there be recompense during these living years? Or is He talking about judgment in the eternity? I don't know. When He gives me clarity, I'll share it with you. But for now, just the warning should be enough to bring fear to your and my heart because He's saying, be careful. Be careful. You will be judged with a greater strictness. Now let me close with these words. These are the ones that I gave to us a moment ago from 2 Timothy 2. And this is my charge for you all during your studies. He says in verse 15 of 2 Timothy 2, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Study to show yourself approved of God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who will not be caught being ashamed of not knowing what to say, accurately handling the word of truth, Not saying to these people, well, I believe that may be a good thing to say, but guard it carefully. It is better to say, this is what the Lord says. Let me give that to you rather than my added opinion sometimes. He says, so be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Let's pray.